for our last scripture reading, turn a few pages over uh, to page 1501, Matthew chapter 5. We're going to look at verses 13 through 16. So page 1501, Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Thus ends our reading of God's unchanging word. May all who hear it become the salt and light of Christ. On June 3rd, 2014, our family brought Jet home for the first time. And from that moment forward, his identity changed. No longer was he an orphan's child without parents. No. Now he was part of the Klein family, a beloved son with a mother and a father and two wonderful sisters and eventually a younger brother that would drive him nuts. <laughs> this wasn't something that he had chosen for himself, but it, but it was the outworking of the choices of others. And who he was would forever be changed because the name of Klein was placed upon him. And it was this decision that has shaped who he is today. Jet was given a new identity. Today we will be looking at this topic of, of identity and as we continue our study of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. But first, a little recap. If you recall from last week, Jesus began his message by addressing his disciples. This isn't to say that there weren't others who were there listening intently. There most likely were. But Jesus' main focus was, was on instructing his disciples on what it means to be citizens of the kingdom of heaven. And he began his lesson by imparting blessings upon them. You see, the, the lifestyle of those who belong to this kingdom is not brought about by strict adherence to the law. Rather, it comes through the blessings of God. And these blessings begin with those who are desperate. You see, Jesus, he, he builds up his people by showing them the promises, both present and future, that come from their Father in heaven. And so he, he blesses the poor in spirit, those who are defeated. And they are the ones who learn to mourn over sin. 
both their own and the sin of others. And those who, who mourn learn to wait on God and so become meek in the process. And it is the meek who long for God's justice. And so they hunger and thirst for righteousness. But they also learn to show mercy because they themselves had once been lowly and forgiven. And it is the merciful who become pure in heart because their true affections lie with their God, the one who had shown to them great mercy. And it is only the pure in heart who can deliver true peace to others. They become peacemakers as they bring the message of Christ to a lost world. But as they do so, they will endure persecution from those who hate God. And yet, Jesus calls them blessed, for great is a reward in heaven. Which leads us to our text for today, where Jesus continues his discourse on kingdom living by talking to his disciples, telling them that they now take on a new identity. They are no longer the defeated ones, but they have become salt and light. Look once more at, at verse 13. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. These disciples of Christ are now the, the salt of the earth. This is their new identity. But what does Jesus mean when he calls them the salt of the earth? When it comes to salt, there are a variety of connotations that we can glean from the, from the Old Testament. There is a, the covenant of salt that God made with Aaron when, that we find in Numbers 18. Look at verses 19 and 20. Whatever is set aside from the holy offerings the Israelites present to the Lord, I give to you and your sons and daughters as a regular share. It is an everlasting covenant of salt before the Lord for both you and your offspring. The Lord said to Aaron, you will have no inheritance in the land, nor will you have any share among them. I am your share and your inheritance among the Israelites. I wonder who that is. <laughs> All right. Somebody got it. All right. So what we see from this text is that salt, being that it is a preservative, was a symbol of the preservation of life. What God was communicating to Aaron was this, that even though the, his family would not have a share in the portion of the land, the Lord would provide for them and he would preserve their life. The Lord would be Aaron's inheritance. Of course, salt could also be connected with judgment. After all, it was, it was Lot's wife who turned into a pillar of salt when, when she looked back upon Sodom and Gomorrah after God had commanded them not to. 
And then in Judges, it was Abimelech who, who destroyed Shechem and then salted the earth, making sure that nothing would ever grow there again. The question is, what did Jesus mean in our passage for today? From the context, it's, it's clear that, that he is speaking of the usefulness of salt. For he says, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no, it is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. And what was salt used for in Jesus' day? Well, what they'd do is they'd rub it on the meat, and it would preserve it for storage. Another question we, that we have to ask is this. How can salt not be salty? That doesn't make sense. But what you need to understand is, is that at that time, salt was, was gathered from the region of the Dead Sea. And while it was mostly sodium chloride, it contained a variety of other minerals as well. You see, what the, what the people had wasn't just salt. It was mixed with these other deposits. And if the salt had too much of these other minerals mixed within, then it really wasn't salt. It had lost its saltiness. One might as well just throw it on the ground for it's as good as dirt. Jesus, he wanted his disciples to be useful. They were to be like the salt of his day, which was used to preserve the meat. They were not to let in all these other minerals so as to lose their saltiness and thus allow the food to spoil. In other words, they were to persevere in this kingdom lifestyle that we read about in the Beatitudes. I mean, think about the context. Jesus had just told them that they would be blessed because they would be persecuted like the prophets before them. These followers of Jesus, they were going to need some stamina to endure hardship. You see, they would, they would face great temptations to just cave. And instead of being the peacemakers that they were called to be, they'd be enticed to conform the message of the gospel by allowing the world to seep in. It would be so easy to just make everybody happy by allowing these minerals to, to, to mix and dilute their message. And the more they did this, uh, the less and less salty they would be until, until the salt would be basically non-existent. They'd be tasteless and unable to preserve anything. And worst of all, they would be of no use to their king. Sure, the, the, the persecutions would cease, but, but that was not who they were. No. Jesus had given them a new identity. They were the salt of the earth. And they would preserve the faith, no matter what pressures they faced. Dear friends, if you are in Christ, then you too are the salt of the earth. That is who you are. And as salt, you are to persevere 
in your faith. You're not to, to mix yourself up with the impurities of the world. The impurities that will conform and change, change you. Because if you do so, then you'll be of no use to your king. There is pressure today to find some sort of middle ground between, between God's word and this new morality. Surely, if we, if we can just find a way to reinterpret the Bible so that sin doesn't seem so sinful, then, then they won't call us hateful or bigots. But if you are salt, then there is no conforming. For Christ has given to you a new identity. He has pulled you up out of the world and brought you into his kingdom. You no longer identify with the impurities of your old life, but you have new life in him. And he will make sure that, that you persevere. Of course, there, there is another danger for which you have to be on your guard. You see, you could be steadfast and hold true to the faith and still not be useful. For when persecution comes, you can easily just slink back and hide away. You just retreat. This is why Jesus continues his work in changing your identity. Look at verse 14. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. Not only were his disciples to be the salt of the earth, but they were also to be the light of the world. And as this light, they were not to hide. They were to be like a city on a hill that is on display for all to see. The great cities of Jesus' day were, were typically filled with buildings of white limestone. When the sun would, would be at its peak, these structures would, would gleam brightly. Now imagine such a city atop a hill. In the bright of day, one would be able to see it from miles away. When those rays from the sun would, would hit it, it could not be hidden. Similarly, these disciples are, are like a lamp in a darkened room. They, they are placed on its stand, giving light to all who enter in. I mean, it would be absurd to, to, to light a lamp and then just put it under a bowl. That's not what a light is for. And that's not what God does to those he calls light. No. Lights are to be seen, helping those who, who walk in darkness. The, the easiest thing for a Christian to do is, is to hide who they are. And honestly, that's what the world today wants you to do. They'll tell you that, that religion should be a, a private matter. Just, just go to your church on Sunday, pray in your home if you must, but, but leave it there. Yet what they are asking for is impossible. 
For it is what one believes that, that drives their actions in all other aspects of life. And this is what Christ means when, when he says that you are the light of the world. This new identity that God has given to you, it cannot be hidden. If you are in Christ, then he will change who you are, and it will be evident to those who are around you. Again, one could go to the Old Testament and find a, an army of texts using light as symbolism. It signifies holiness and purity and truth and wisdom, divine revelation, as well as God's presence. Proverbs 4.18 says this, The path of the righteous is like the first gleam of the dawn, shining ever brighter till the full light of day. And so we see light could also refer to one's righteousness. And then in the Gospel of John, Jesus frequently refers to himself as the light of the world. And if you remember, even Matthew quotes the prophet Isaiah, indicating that, that this Jesus is the great light seen by a people living in darkness. But here in our text for today, Jesus isn't talking about himself. Rather, it is his disciples who are the light of the world. It's all of you who are the bright ones in a dark land. You are like that city on a hill or, or that lamp that's, that's hanging in a room. You're there for all to see. And Jesus has a message for you. And it's straightforward and clear. Look at verse 16. In the same way, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. These disciples of Christ are to be God's conduits, if you will, for his good deeds to a lost world. As God's peacemakers, they are the, the reflection of the light of God's glory. They are his ambassadors. As kingdom people, this was their new identity. No longer were they, were they people of the night. Rather, they, they dispelled the darkness through their good deeds. This is why in our first scripture reading, the Apostle Paul said this, Ephesians 5, verses 13 through 16. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible. For it is light that makes everything visible. This is why it is said, Wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. The reason Christ turns you into light is to expose the darkness. Jesus wants you to make the most of every day. He wants you to shine in a world through your good deeds. Deeds both in word and action. You see, it's, it, it's not just the message, and it's not just the lifestyle. It's both. 
You don't perform acts of kindness and mercy and then, and then fail to extol Jesus. And neither do you, do you explain the gospel and then live a life in rebellion to that message. No, that's not how it works. You are light. And as light, your good deeds are before men so that they may praise your Father in heaven. The people of the world should be able to look at both your words and your life. And the two should match up. Christ didn't turn you into a light so that you could be a silent do-gooder. Nor did he do it for you to be a loud hypocrite. Neither of those will lead people to praise your Father in heaven. These good works are both word and deed. You are witnesses of Christ to a dying world. So what you say and what you do is there for all to gaze upon. Dear friends, do you see it? As light, you are to unmask this darkness. And you do this so that, so that those whom he calls may come into the light. And also so that those, those that have rejected God will have their evil works exposed. So how does this work? How do you, how do you live as the light that you are? You become the very things that Jesus had spoken of when he began his sermon. The things for which he has blessed you. You live a life that is poor in spirit, mourning over sins. You live, you live a life of meekness with a, with a desire for God's righteousness to cover the land. You demonstrate mercy to the downtrodden and the sinner. And as you do this, you become pure in heart, focusing on your king. And then you bring the message of peace, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ, to a people living in darkness. And you hold firm to that message, not conforming nor hiding in the shadows. When persecution comes, you are to be a bold witness. You are salt. You are light. For in Christ, that is, that is who God has created you to be. Brothers, sisters, if, if you have repented of your sins and, and trusted in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if, if you believe that he died for your sins and that he rose from the dead three days later, then this is your new identity. You are salt. You are light. And because of this fact that this is who you now are, then these good deeds will be evident to all. In his book, The, the Cost of Discipleship, Dietrich Bonhoeffer said this, A community of Jesus which seeks to hide itself has ceased to follow him. I would go a step further and say this. A community that claims to be of Jesus, which seeks to hide itself, 
has never really followed him. When Jesus sent out the twelve, he gave them this warning. Look at Matthew 10, verses 32 and 33. Whoever acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge him before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before men, I will disown him before my Father in heaven. This warning is for you as well. For if you are truly salt and truly light, then you will live to acknowledge Jesus. Just as my son Jet was claimed by me and given a new identity, Christ has claimed each and every one of you. You are his. And as such, he has given to you a new identity. You are salt. You are light. And just as, as Jet's life is now shaped by that decision, so too your life is shaped by the decision of Christ. That means that you persevere in the faith and also that you have gone public with it. The world sees your good deeds and it brings glory to your Father in heaven. This is who you are. Now believe it and go live it. Let's pray. Father, we confess that we don't always act as who we are, who you've made us to be. There, there are times in our lives where we are not salty. We have been conformed by the, the ways of this world. And there are also times when we don't shine. We, we hide away, not wanting the world to, to judge us. We ask now for your help. Help us to repent of our unbelief. Help us to understand who we really, really are. Guide us by your Holy Spirit so that we may live out our new identities in you. That we may be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. And that others would, would see our good deeds and praise you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.